Hello, and welcome to I Love It, Don't You? The podcast where friends share with friends whether they like it or not. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Kim. And I'm Janelle. And this week, we are doing Ever After, A Cinderella Story. This was released in 1998. It's a movie starring Drew Barrymore, and Angelica Houston plays the wicked stepmother. It is kind of the real version, real in um, quotation marks, of Cinderella. Janelle, you haven't seen this. What did you think? Eh. That breaks my heart. It. I mean, I don't, like, regret sitting down and watching it, but... When I watched the Disney Cinderella way back in the day, I watched it for Gus Gus and Jack. And to sing uh, that song, the Sing Sweet Nightingale. Yeah, that. Because I felt so pretty when I sang it. And that was it. I couldn't care about the rest of it at all. Felt the same way when I watched the new Disney adaptation, the li- live action one. This has more spunk, somewhat. <laughs> I like it that she's a very educated woman in this. And that she can just always speak her mind. But overall, I just really kind of found it really bland. I mean, I was fairly (laughs) bored. Fairly bored. The majority of the movie. I like that she can speak her mind so eloquently. I'm like, I never sound that eloquent. I just sound very upset when I get Thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying that you appreciate... Oh, you're talking about the girl? Fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's what writers are for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing. That was honestly one of my complaints and also one of the things that I liked at the same time is that it's very satisfying. Being a person that who in real life, I can't do conflict. I don't do it well. And I never say things how I intend to say them. Mm -hmm. So to be able to have a movie where you're supposed to put yourself in her shoes, see that she can have all of these, like, well-thought-out, really passionate comebacks and everything. It's like, yeah, that is satisfying. But at the same time, she does it so often in the movie that it kind of takes me out of it because I'm like, in real life, nobody is that good. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody, Nobody can be that good at it. And if they can, then I'm just really failing at life. (laughs) Elizabeth, your thoughts? It's been forever since I watched this movie, but I do, you know, I remember I have very fond memories of it. One of the things that surprised me wonderfully that I'd forgotten was Leonardo da Vinci. Yes, he's adorable. (laughs) I was like, I forgot he was in this movie and I love him so much. So I really enjoyed revisiting it again. And then this time around, one of the things I was able to appreciate more was like the nice step- stepsister. Mm-hmm. I love the nice step- stepsister. She's adorable. Okay, when they meet the prince for the first time, mm-hmm. and the prince is like nice brooch to like that other stepsister, <laughs> and then uh, the nice stepsister. I don't know what her name is. Jacqueline. 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 When Jacqueline takes the feather from her hair and puts <laughs> it in her bonnet, I love it so much. And then, okay, one other thing I love about the sister was when, oh, what's his name? What's the prince's name? Henry. 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 When Henry and the evil stepsister are out on their, Marguerite. like, date. Marguerite. And the prince gives her, like, a piece of chocolate. And then the nice stepsister, like, takes a step for it. I'm like, oh, that'd be me. <laughs> my, mom, my mom would have to be like, nope. <laughs> nope, you're not. That's not you. The, I love those two moments so much. Yeah, Jacqueline... I love her and then, like, Prince Henry's servant or whatever. Or I don't know what he technically is. Oh, the carriage is. guy? Um, yeah. Oh, that, they're cause, getting together? Cause, yeah, because they kind of, like, mm-hmm. do a little, yeah, a romance with them, mm-hmm. like, 
at the buffet and like even in the scene you're talking about with the feather like he notices her then and he finds it amusing i i don't know if you picked up on that i think i saw but, that a little yeah yeah is like he's noticing that she has it behind her ear and then puts it in her bosom it's and so like you when she puts it behind her ear in the first place and then her just like putting it in her bosom like yeah this is the same thing yeah. this is the same kind of appeal i just thought it was so cute and, like, when Danielle, that's Cinderella's name, Danielle comes in, like, in the morning and asks them, like, how, how everybody slept or whatever. And, like, she responds back, like, not really aloud, but, like, facially and whatever. is like, oh, well, you know, like, and she's just, yeah, she's adorable. I do love the, yeah. the not-so-wicked stepsister. And I forgot that they didn't make both of them, like, wicked, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I forgot that they had one nice stepsister, and I really like that touch. Like yeah. Well, and not even that she's nice, because she's she's not. She is, I mean, she, okay, she is nice. She's a product of her family. When she isn't nice, she's trying to fit in with her family. And I think, you see at one point, she says, you know, I knew this would happen, like, when they yeah. go make her boil water. Yeah. And it's like, that's why she tries to fit in her in with her family, because she knows if something happens to Danielle... She's going to be taking Danielle's place in a heartbeat. Like, Mm -hmm. she knows. She sees that. And I think that's why she both has compassion for Danielle, but then also, like, tries to, to, you know, still treat her as a servant for a long time until, you know, her family just goes way too far. So, yes, she's one of my favorite characters, and I feel like I relate to... Jacqueline the most yeah. <laughs> out of all of them <laughs> yeah. because she's so awkward mm-hmm. and it's like it's sad because I think that's probably the whole reason why she is the odd one out is just that she's awkward and, and that's unacceptable. But also because she's nice like I don't think it's just because she's awkward but I think that the, one of the reasons she can't fit in with her family is because she's actually a nice person. She is actually a good person. She Yeah she doesn't stand up for Danielle but she's not mean to Danielle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, she's not, but I think she was also supposed to kind of be pudgy. Oh. Like, she's not, yeah. like, the, the little girl yeah. was kind of pudgy, and I think mm-hmm. I think she was supposed to kind of be pudgy, like, and they make, like, food jokes or whatever, like. Yeah. Um. So, and I think that was kind of another way in which she didn't really fit in with her mm-hmm. family, because she had a weight problem, which she doesn't at all. I would no. love to be her size. <laughs> uh, she's actually, I think she's pretty, you know. Yeah, and she's I think very pretty. They, like, Marguerite whatever her name is, it's supposed to be the pretty one, but I thought Jacqueline was very pretty. Yeah. Going back to Leonardo, I really like that he's not some stuffy old guy. He's mm-hmm. he's living life in the moment, and it kind of it makes sense because he does make the remark at one point. He's like, I, I can't remember the, the servant guy that Danielle's friends with. Gustav? Gus? Okay. Gustav? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, oh, Gus. Like, is that a reference Gus, to Gus? one of the mice? Like, oh, I'm I, guessing, I'm, like I'm guessing. That. I like that. I, I guess that makes sense, too, but then that means that Jack is Jacqueline, and Jacqueline's... I don't know. Anyway. See, see, the Cinderella movie was never one of my favorites, so I watched it when I was little. I don't remember a lot about it. Yeah. Anyway, it makes sense, though, because at one point, Gustav is, is just like, you know, are you sure, like, you want to see my paintings right now, right this minute? And he's like, a minute, when you're this old, a minute might be all I have, so <laughs> let's go. And I'm like, that is so such a cool perspective to have him take, because so often when we think of you know, the painters and the sculptors and, and all the, the famous people from, you know, years past, you think that they're these stuffy old people that have, you know, died because we look at their works and we see the product of their time was these very serious, elegant works. 
we think that that reflects the artist Mm -hmm. but potentially no like you could have some really 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 like living in the moment grandpa (laughs) that painted it so that was the appeal to his character for me I love the scene where Danielle is floating in the (laughs) pond and then he walks on water with his boat shoes. I love that scene so much. Yes. And then she screams and he falls. That's fantastic. I love right before that when Henry is going on about like, how do you know if you're in love? Like, Mm. and, and trying to like figure out that and, what if you meet two people who are walking side by side and you're blah, 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 and, you know, (laughs) and, like, this big stew about, like, true love and all this stuff. And because I think, like, my mind goes around like that, and that's why, like, I don't believe in soulmates, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's, like, no, it's just too random to me. Like, there's one person and you, everything has to go perfect for you to meet. So I completely understand his, like, little speech there and, like, stewing and being like, but what about this and this? And that's why, you know, like... I don't, I don't think there are soulmates. I think you're more compatible with people and you meet them and like, and that, not that there's one person out there destined to be with you because I'm pretty sure I took a wrong turn somewhere and <laughs> the guy I was destined to be with took another wrong turn and we're completely like never going to find each other if soulmates exist. Yeah. That's my little randomness. Okay. <laughs> Your little Henry moment. Exactly. Well, my, my thing is Henry like worries and and discusses and plans about love how i live my entire life (laughs) i'm like but but if we do it this way then that might happen and how do i know if i do that and then yeah like i literally had that happen just two hours ago where i was like on the phone with my mom but like should i have turned that down because i mean what if this every time there's things like this that show up like yep that's my life henry yep so overthinking is your life oh yeah Mine too. I overthink as well. I feel like that's a common yeah, um, thing in, uh, in people studying to be librarians. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like the framing of the story? Can't you be more specific? Well, uh, the framing of the story at the beginning were on an older lady and she requests the Grimm brothers to come in. And so, and she's telling them, right. you okay. know, like she loves their stories, but they got Cinder Girl all wrong. Oh. And so... I can see it was very memorable for you. Like, I I personally just love that framing, love the way that they frame it. And I was just curious what you all felt about that. It was very memorable for Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) Janelle, do you have any thoughts on it? I mean, I thought it was clever. I liked that they incorporated things from the original, well, I mean, everybody calls everything original, the German version of the tale. I did like that, having, you know, read it. So bringing him in there, it was fun. I don't know. I mean, I don't have much to say about it other than it made me think that she was going to be Danielle. And I was like, Mm. but that, I feel like that timing is off. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of things, though. I I feel sometimes during the movie, it sounds like the writers like sat down and wrote down a whole list of things that they thought were really old and then threw them at the wall and saw what stuck. (laughs) Because there's things in there that do contradict (laughs) that weren't around, like when they're making it sound like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think what they were. This is why I shouldn't read IMDb. I have a question. Every time, like, in these, like, historical, you know, movies, someone refers to a minute, I always think, like, did minutes exist? Like, when was the minute thought up? You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. <laughs> you don't I know. mean, probably when watches with second hands 
were invented would there be my we guess. Go. Okay. But I don't know when that because was. Because when she asked for four minute eggs, I'm like, did they have minutes back then? That's just really something that I've been thinking about. <laughs> you know, that that's what's been keeping me up at night. Yeah, I don't pay attention to those things. Mm-hmm. Like I think if they said it in Merlin recently and I was mm-hmm. like, Wait, you guys don't even own clocks. <laughs> you don't even own clocks. How do you know what a minute is? But back to the framing of the story. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, oh, can I say something about it? Yes. Even though I did not notice yes. it. Now, now that you know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. I do remember this time around as I was watching the movie. I was doing something else at the very, very beginning, like getting into bed or something. So I was like, oh, there's an old lady. I wonder if that's Danielle. I don't know. Oh, the story's starting. <laughs> sorry. So sorry about that. Uh, but I think that if I watch it again, probably when I watch it again, I could really appreciate that framing. Like, I really like that kind of setup. Mm-hmm. The reason I really like it is because this is a tale of Cinderella that doesn't have the magical elements, mm-hmm. doesn't have the stepsisters cutting off their toe or heel or whatever. Oh, I forgot about that. I, okay. I, I went back and read the Grimm's version uh, this week. So kind of dispense of it and take away the arguments of this isn't the Cinderella that I know. Mm-hmm. Like they frame it as this is the version that is out there that everybody's thinking, but here's the actual version. And I, okay. I just think it's very smart to kind of head off some of that. And I like the way that they do that. Mm-hmm. One of the, the things that I found that's wrong is that uh, Leonardo da Vinci died in 1519 and the book that's featured in there. Oh, Utopia. Yeah, it was published in 1516 for the first time. She was given the book when she was, like, eight years old. Right. So she would have had to have been, like, way younger to have met Leonardo and had the book. You didn't realize it was the ghost of da Vinci? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not only that, like, they reference Henry VIII, who divorced his wife in 1533, which is what, how many years is that's, what, 14 years after Leonardo da Vinci died, mm-hmm. but Leonardo da Vinci's in the story. It's, I don't know, and I'm trying to see if there's more things in here. Would you have realized any of that without having looked it up, or did you go and hunt for this stuff? No, I mean, I didn't know specifically that things were messed up, but I remember when they were throwing out all of the references, it just, the way they did it, instead of like sneaking things into the background, they had mm-hmm. people state things, and so I was like, this feels like you're trying really hard to place a setting and you're going to screw it up somewhere. And I went and looked and then I was right. <laughs> I mean, it's not like a massively horrible thing because it did like, especially referencing Henry VIII and the whole divorce line. Did you guys catch that? What the only um, divorces are allowed in England or whatever? Uh, something it's something line. like um, divorce is a decidedly English thing or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, That was to reference Henry VIII. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, those did bring, like, levity to the moment, and and it was, you know, it was a lot of fun, but it was like, (laughs) how many times can we make sure that they know this is old? You know? (laughs) Is how it felt to me. (laughs) Okay, one of the, and it's, it's very short in there, because he dies at the very beginning, but um, I really, really love the relationship between Danielle and her father. Right. Like, I think they wrote that very well, and the little girl who plays Danielle does an amazing job. From the get-go, like, when they show her, she's just adorable. Like, I just love the entire opening scene with her and the two servants who really are, like, surrogate family to her. 
and Gustav at the window and her running after him. And then, um, but then her relationship with her father just is so great to me. Mm-hmm. It is. I do. I really enjoy that part. There, there are a couple things that I really did like about this movie. One being her and her father. Um, the other being her and the two main servant ladies, mm-hmm. whose names I never Louise got. and... Other servant lady number two. Yes. And then also somebody that I, I want to talk about after we're through all this, because if I bring up this person's name now, then we're going to get way off track. But I did like... It, it felt very modern, and like it probably wouldn't be accepted at all during that time period, but I liked that her father let her be who she was mm-hmm. yeah, and let her beat up Gustav if she wanted to <laughs> and wasn't like, oh, go inside. You can't be muddy when you meet your new stepmother. Right. I thought that was really cool. And it's people like that that I feel like probably shaped, you know, the progress of our world and our cultures and everything is, is people that just like, we're like, okay, you do you. Mm-hmm. Go you. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I bet they said that, too. Yeah, yeah, that's like, not yeah. a phrase of today at all. You do you. You do you. <laughs> and I also thought they did a very good job of then showing that relationship between father and daughter and then showing how that tension could have caused the way her stepmother treated her. Mm-hmm. Because um, from the very beginning, when, when she comes with dirt, you see that her stepmother is not the type of person to just, like okay that like her nose is turned up at this dirty little girl coming but then also when her father has the heart attack and they both run out there to him you see him turn to danielle and tell her one last time that he loves her and you see the stepmother watching as the man she just married is paying not a bit of attention in his dying breath, which makes complete sense. But he's looking at the little girl that he just adores, and it's her that he's thinking of in his last moments. So you could see as somebody who just married a man where that might not be the best feeling in the world. Yeah. And so I just, I think they did really well of setting that up and of giving the wicked stepmother a few other moments throughout where you see just a vulnerability in her and and you see you see a a little bit more depth than just this evil stepmother she is the evil stepmother and she is not redeemable but you do see in a few quiet moments where she's looking at danielle and says you do look so much like your father she then writes it off really quick changes the subject tells danielle she's very masculine (laughs) yeah oh she really just tears him down doesn't she like that she just really sets sets him up and then knocks him down (laughs) but you see like she does that because it's a vulnerability she's not comfortable with i think you're wrong (laughs) um she's my favorite surprise in this movie she's the one that i was saying yeah she's the one that i was saying i can't talk about at the moment because i need to get thought out because she was done really, really well. I do not, however, think that she's irredeemable. Mm, okay. I The fact that she sees that she's being too affectionate, quote-unquote too affectionate, towards Danielle and has to correct that, I think that that shows that she is redeemable. Um, if she wasn't redeemable, then she would never open herself up like that and or, or spare a single compliment unless it was to manipulate, you know. Because in the rest of the movie, that's the only time you ever see a compliment come out of her is when she's manipulating somebody. Mm -hmm. Like when she's manipulating the guardsmen at the castle, whenever she's trying to get Cinderella to stop, like, asking why they're touching her dress and everything. 
here again, just like I was saying, Jacqueline is a product of her family. Mm-hmm. I think the stepmother, whose name I'm forgetting at the moment, I think she's a product of her family. Like, the story that she tells about how her mother treated her was just horrible. Right. That it was absolutely was horrible. Like horrifying. Like, that when she was talking about uh, having to wash her face 20 times a day, because mm-hmm. uh, her mom said that, like, never thought it was clean enough. Like, that, like, really creep me out mm-hmm. just going off of that it sounds like she had you know a mental disorder of some sort like yes. ocd mm-hmm. or just germophobia or something so that was one thing that struck me as out of place because it's like back then like they nobody would have been obsessed with washing yeah their or face like that like or yeah are. because they probably weren't even taking baths on a normal basis that was back when you know you take a bath like once a year like you wouldn't take it in the winter because uh you wouldn't want to get sick and stuff like that so that rang false for me this time it didn't when i was younger but it did now because we overanalyze everything in this podcast and (laughs) janelle always points out every single thing um (laughs) you know that one did stick out to me okay continue well i think that that lends it more credit as not just being a plot device it could be show that they had a plan possibly or at least a feasible fan theory that her mother had ocd or germophobia or something you know by by being like more of a kimped woman like she was probably able to you know retain her status in society and all that good stuff and so it makes sense that um cinderella's stepmother turned out the way that she did and makes her so much more of a sympathetic character because it doesn't sound like she ever got any love or anything like that so how was she supposed to be able to show love to her daughters especially after she actually legitimately loved um her husband who then goes and dies immediately Mm -hmm. and she's probably thrown into doubt because as he's dying like you said he's more worried about his daughter which is understandable, but you take somebody who hasn't ever had very much love in her life, whose first marriage that produced her two daughters probably was not out of love at all. It was out to get status. You take somebody who is finally getting a grasp of love, she's totally going to like fly off the handle and be terrible. But I don't think that that means she's irredeemable. Oh, you don't think it's... Oh, interesting. No, I, I think she's totally redeemable. It's just going to take a long time. I don't, the thing is, like, I don't feel like she wants to be redeemed. Exactly. Maybe if it was written a little different way, you could fan fiction a story where she's mm-hmm. redeemable. But the way it was written and the path that they took her on, even in the last scenes where yeah. she's now a servant in the king's court or whatever, you see she's still trying to boss around her daughter, still trying to, like, be above her station, whatever. And, um,. And really, she hasn't learned any lessons. She hasn't changed. So within the movie, she never gets redeemed. Yeah. Right. If you're looking at it as real life, though, it makes sense that she would try and immediately, like, take control of her daughter. Because that's all she's ever had with her daughter, is being in control of her daughter's future. So she's all of a sudden lost everything except for the clothes on her back and a job that she doesn't want. She's totally going to go for the one thing that she can't control. So give her some time hanging out with some people in the laundry. Maybe, you know, she opens up a little bit more. I could totally see her working it out and becoming, like, even having a pretty good relationship with Danielle. I totally can. Uh, I really like the idea that she could be redeemed, for sure. 
It's, so I think she's only not redeemed specifically because this is a one-off movie. Oh. And because it's Storyland and villains aren't allowed to have happy endings. Well, like Once Upon a Time, they can't, you know, sometimes. No, they don't. <laughs> I do love when they get called in front of the king at the very end and are bickering back and forth. And he, the king's like, are they always like this? And Jacqueline's like worse (laughs) like see there to me there are a lot of great little lines that are just full of humor Mm -hmm. and that's from the very beginning to to the very end for me i particularly like the whole jacqueline like leaves the gazebo where she's sitting in with the queen and starts just like thrashing and screaming around because she finds out that Danielle has been the one hanging out with the princess marguerite yeah oh sorry not jacqueline yeah marguerite (laughs) She, like, stomps out there and is just, like, screaming and then comes back in and very quietly just goes, it was a bee. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Yes, that is so fabulous. Mm. I think that's, like, one of the few clips I'd actually seen of this prior, and I was like, what is this girl doing? (laughs) (laughs) That had zero context. It's just a screaming blonde with a black eye. Because, yeah, she's getting the avalanche with the queen because they stole one of her uh, pieces of jewelry to to give her back to her as if she had dropped it like the nice wonderful people they are Mm -hmm. for me like i like the henry danielle storyline but that is actually probably like the least oh yeah of what like because i was just thinking of like of what i love about this movie i love um i love that danielle is a strong character from the Mm get-go um i do like the the interplay between her and her stepmother because i do think it is a little bit more nuanced than just evil stepmother and then stepdaughter i love her relationship with gustav um leonardo and i do really like her and henry but just when i sit there and think about reasons why i love this movie that's probably kind of low on like and i was remembering last week Janelle was saying, like, one of her hesitations with this movie was she heard it was heavy on the romance. And in my mind, like, yes, the romance is a big part of it, but that's actually not my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. What about you? My Well, Leonardo. Mm-hmm. And I love the scene with the gypsies. That was based off of a real thing. I love that she likes thing. to read. Wait, what? <laughs> the gypsies thing was, was based off of a real thing what that happened. Where Danielle goes and, like, hauls uh, uh henry onto that, her back I and goes to walk away so much yeah that was actually from um found on imdb there was a whole bunch of i feel like it was like barons or something i don't remember anyway they were defeated by some king and so <laughs> the king like took all of the the husbands and he was just like okay they're gonna die so ladies all of you wives whatever you can carry on your back just go and so like they they planned overnight what to do and so the, the next day they each go and pick up their husband <laughs> and like go to walk away and like they were tried you know somebody tried to stop them or whatever and the king's just like nope that's clever go on <laughs> <laughs> i love that moment so much and i loved okay i love that their first date really was like them going to the library mm-hmm. i was like oh but I think Leonardo is actually my favorite because he's actually kind of like this character that's kind of like stuck with me that I think about, even though I forgot he was in this movie. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot he was in this movie, but I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I love him from like the very beginning when he's like, please, you have to help because the Mona Lisa has been stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> which according to IMDb, he did actually carry around with him. Oh yeah, always. But but it was on wood, not canvas. I was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't roll wood. What? Only if you're careful. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I was being sarcastic, Elizabeth. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. But I don't know. Like, it hasn't been a movie that I revisited a lot. I do just enjoy it just overall, I guess, because of all those little things they put in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the costumes were really good. Yeah. yeah. I love the red dress when she goes to tell him, like, she can't see him anymore after she's been beaten. Like, mm-hmm. I love that dress. I did oh, yeah. not even pay attention to that one. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I remember the last dress that, well, the dress at the the ball or whatever they're calling it, the mask or whatever. Yeah. I'm more, I just like that they went with what was probably correct for the time because this isn't set in England. This is set in France. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have a very specific time period. I have no idea if it's accurate. I feel like it probably is. But, you know, so many times when you see movies that are set, you know, in, like, the medieval times and things like that. They try to, like, show as much boob as mu- oh, uh, as okay. possible. Yeah. And these, they look more traditional, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. not just to be sexy. Yeah. You know? So I appreciated it's that a lot. It's more, yeah, it's more to be pretty, not necessarily just, like, sexy. Yeah. So I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just, it was nice. You focus, I feel like you focus more on the person. Oh, yeah. Instead of being, like, what Definitely. the person looks like. Okay, I do have to say this. Henry, um, in his, like, outfit. <laughs> in his cod piece? Yes. I was like, oh. I was like, I did not notice that. I do not remember that. But that is... Apparent. It's even embroidered. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's just a utilitarian thing. Like, it's embroidered with yeah. a separate pattern. <laughs> I was like, that's not really necessary. Like, I understand being historically accurate, but I would have rather him just, like, just put that man in just some decent pants to cover <laughs> him. What do you think about the rescue when Henry comes? Because I love that. Mm-hmm. When Henry comes to rescue her, and I'm putting that in quotation marks. I mean, he does go to rescue her, but right. she has already rescued herself. That's right. Well, and I feel like he probably, in a way, has rescued her. Because they don't let you know whether or not she has actually killed Mr. Monsieur Le Pew or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. It, it hints that maybe she did, but she's also not really a murderer. Yeah, I never thought she killed him. I thought, because he's a very selfish person, Would she? he had no doubt she would, and with that he gave her his freedom. Right, but the fact is, though, I would think even if I had gotten away and proven my point, like, She's walking out of the castle with no swords. If if I had just gotten out of the situation she had, I would be running out of the castle with a sword carefully sheathed because I would fall on it otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's cool, though, yeah, that they both kind of rescue each other in a way. Oh, mm-hmm. she went there. Um, About that guy that, like... Monsieur Le Pew. Oh, they're so gross. And, like, when he uh, first approached her and like, the market, I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy is so gross. I'd completely forgotten about him. You could also say, I don't know, like, you also see a change in Danielle, I think, over the course of the movie, mm-hmm. standing up to her stepmother and her sister. 
I really enjoyed that, like, saying, like, no, I don't have to be treated this way. I don't have to accept that. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is something that the most recent uh, <sighs> movie lacked a yeah. lot. It was very upsetting. She was a doormat in that. Um, I have not seen that one. was rewarded for that. Yeah, yeah. just d- don't watch it. Um, just don't. It's not worth no, your two hours. <laughs> I want to know what you think. And if you're a Game of Thrones fan, the actor that played Rob Stark is plays uh, the prince, so I'm just saying. That was really the only um, reason I cared. I don't even watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. That and somebody else is paying my ticket. There you go. <laughs> somebody from Downton Abbey's in it is the princess, too. Yes, I did like... I mean, I enjoyed seeing her, and I think the actress did a good job. I think that the set design was great. I thought the music was good. Anyway, different movie. That is Danielle's real thing, though, in this, is that she's feisty. Yes. Yeah. She's not going to take it. Like, she... When she does, like, let things slide, it's for the good of the people around her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not because she's going by some motto that says that she's supposed to be run over all the time. Yeah, like, passive. Yeah. Like, being good doesn't mean putting up with people's crap, you know? Right. And she even, she goes and does things in, like outwardly she'll act like she's obeying but then she she goes and rescues Maurice and everything yeah, like that right. quietly mm-hmm. that's so even when she isn't fighting back audibly like she goes and does things behind their back and yeah. I, I think that's pretty cool mm-hmm. and the reason in which she has allowed herself to be in this place is because it's her father's estate and that is what is the most important so she's not going to sit there and get kicked out or whatever mm-hmm. trying to make sure that it's running in some form and fashion yeah is what she's trying to do and the and, and she, the servants who are loyal to him and loyal to her she's very loyal to them mm-hmm. that's true and she has to slowly see her father's like estate be sold away by her stepmother mm-hmm. along with her extended family also like when um, Maurice is right. sold like she has to like see that uh, which must have been really hard I do love when the prince and her meet for the first time mm-hmm. and uh, when he is stealing the horse Yeah, and she uh, is throwing apples at him I didn't see you sire <laughs> but your aim would suggest otherwise <laughs> but then when he comes to return the horse that he's stolen and her stepmother <laughs> says that she's mute Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and he says that she was rather quite forceful. It comes and goes. Like, just that whole yeah. exchange. Like, both of those scenes are. And the hand motions she uses for that. Like, when she's like, it comes and goes. Like, she's got this little hand thing that she does, this little yeah. pointing thing. Uh-huh. Angelica Houston is a star in this. Like, yes. I was. That was the one thing that when, when it came on, I was like, okay, I can do this. Angelica Houston's in here, and I can't tell you what I've seen her in, but. I'm excited that she's in this. Yes. She's she's very, very good in her part. I was going to say, this probably is one reason she's always had like a soft spot in my heart and Drew Barrymore also. Because I think this movie came out when I was like in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And so that was a good mm-hmm. like little sweet I spot. I want to go over a little, just saying like when it came out, like reminded me probably when I would have seen it. Uh-huh. And kind of like what it probably taught me about wooing men. You know, that mm-hmm. were completely wrong. These tactics do not work. <laughs> Get tested by me. Uh, you should constantly just, like, you should argue with them. Okay? And then you should run away spontaneously like you're hiding something. Uh, you should also throw things at them and act awkward. 
these things don't work these things do not work this explains my life (laughs) in her defense though she is going after someone that has only ever been treated you know like by yes men and yes women like so somebody who's that bizarre i could see where there would be an appeal right right (laughs) because he's just like people respect me all the time this girl throws things at me what am i doing but i thought like okay and she does have a lot of other great traits that would attract you know Mm -hmm. that attract henry yeah like but like as a girl i you know i feel like (laughs) Like this, yeah, like her. But I feel like this, like type of girl who like challenges men, is like used a lot in romantic mm-hmm. comedies. And I guess, like as a young girl, I thought that if I just challenged all the men, <laughs> all the boys, <laughs> that I would become like so like attractive to them, you know. But that didn't happen. <laughs> and this, this didn't work out for you. No. No. <laughs> no. And you're blaming this movie? Well, I mean, no, not I dare you to tweet that at Drew Barrymore. I blame, I blame you for <laughs> my romance. For- <laughs> this doesn't work. <laughs> and like, oh, Rory Gilmore, like, um, the first season, like, after several seasons, like, she'd like wear big sweaters. Okay. Sorry, this is off track, but I have to say this. <laughs> okay, so in the first season, uh, there's this scene where Dean is like, I saw you reading on a bench, and you were just so, like, engrossed in this book that you couldn't see that these people had broken out in a fight. This definitely got me, because I was like, what? I can attract boys just by reading? I'm, like, reading all the time. Where are they? <laughs> you know, but that also does not work. You can't just put your nose in a book and have men. But also, she attracted become- Dean. Okay, that's so, true. I mean, Look, season one Dean and season two Dean are very different. I still don't like them it's okay. in any season. But anyway, just like things like that kind of gave me gave me an unrealistic expectation of what would attract uh, guys. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. So we've pretty much been over like my favorite relationships, although Henry and Leonardo da Vinci is one of my favorites too. Mm-hmm. Like just kind of because Leonardo da Vinci doesn't take his crap either and it's like especially at the end when he's spouting off you know that there's certain rules for him as the crown prince and whatever and he's like that's just that's stupid just yeah you know like that yeah that doesn't fit here like i just really enjoy them the most painful part of the movie Mm -hmm. most painful part the wedding scene with the spanish woman who's just like painful as in hilarious because it cracks me up and i love it it, I didn't know if I could laugh or not. I kind of, like, giggled a little bit, and then I just, like, felt so awkward. I just wanted to turn off the movie. Like, oh, really? It was so painful. I feel so bad for that actress because that is emblazoned <laughs> on her IMDb page for all of time. Oh. See? Screaming Spanish lady. <laughs> I was going to say, the, like, harder she cries, the harder I laugh. Oh. <laughs> she brings me yeah. physical pain. I just, I just find it hysterical. Can you imagine having to record that though for like thirty takes, just oh. screaming hysterically in a church? The part that was like the most painful for me was when Danielle asked the stepmother if there was ever a moment that she loved her, and like I was like, oh my gosh, because even after all of that, she still wants like her approval and her love. Right, because as I think she tells her then, you know, you were the only mother I ever knew. Mm-hmm. That breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. 
And I also want to be like, you don't need her. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I will say, I half expected Danielle to, like, murder her at that point. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was so mad. I, I like was just this like, turn of events. I was like. has a darker vision for this movie. She expects well, her I to have, have killed, uh, whatever, Munger, whatever its name is. I think, I mean. And, yeah. and, you know, she wanted her to off her stepmother, which was her favorite I character. didn't say that I wanted to, but I could see it going there. I mean, you take somebody who has, who had a fairly normal childhood, who in the middle of grief is forced to be a servant in the place that she figured she would spend her life and sees it, like, driven down into the ground into debt and sees people that she loves sold off. Okay, that's traumatic. Not only that, like, the only bit of peace that she has is reading by a fireside late at night because that's the only time she can have to herself. Mm -hmm. Then that book gets destroyed. She loses the man that she loves, the only chance that she had to have a normal life, and she's still being, like, traumatized by this woman, and they're on an incline, okay? <laughs> All it takes is one little push. We know she has good aim, you know? She does! <laughs> All she had to do, like, that lady, you know she can't run. You yeah. know she can't do anything. Just poke her really hard and have her fall down the hill, and it's all over with. That's it. Elizabeth, I don't think we want to get on Janelle's bad side. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that I wanted it, but... You see the it's, motivation. Like she was so like that. That's the most intense I mean, part I'm of the movie. Like poison. I mean, the stepmother allows the servants and Danielle to be very intimate with the food and the things that she ingests. That is true. Like, it's would been very easy. Because she's not going to do it. Look, honestly, if it was me, I would have killed her off years ago. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, never let Elizabeth prepare my food. Gotcha. <laughs> Good point, Elizabeth. Because then you would have gotten rid of all three. Yeah. Well, but, I would have gotten rid of the of Jacqueline. Yeah, you don't really you don't really get to choose with poison. <laughs> <laughs> you do if you only put it in two dishes and not, you know, two plates and not right. the third plate. That's Ten right. bucks says Jacqueline would grab it though. Oh yeah, she probably <laughs> and then you'd get there stuck you with one of the other two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be like in Stardust. Yeah. I think you took the bishop's cup. <laughs> okay, one other part that I just love and I think is hysterical is when Henry and Marguerite are walking through and she says that she'll introduce them to the servants or whatever and then the chicken and <laughs> it going off in his face like I love that yeah yeah they did basically just throw it directly into his face right. or she did Danielle did yeah and then she ran that See, was great there you go like that was, <laughs> that's what I got from this movie you need to throw more chickens <laughs> at points I love it <laughs> so you're still single Elizabeth yeah I'm still single <laughs> I also this is a small detail I really do enjoy that Marguerite puts the brooch on directly in the part in her cleavage and has it so that it points at her cleavage and he's just like nice brooch right <laughs> you're like, not looking at the brooch you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean kind of can't blame him because she is like the most exposed woman in the in the entire kingdom I'm caught between thinking that he's doing it as in I see what you're doing or like really actually being like sleazy with it like nice brooch you know if that makes you, any you, sense you want to think more better of him yeah I do like his 
the back and forth with like his the king he returns from the night out and he wakes up his father and mother saying that he wants to start the university or the biggest library or the biggest library yeah and what the university where anybody couldn't study there you go and that he wants to invite the gypsies to the ball yeah i just i just love the way like he throws it throws open like the outer part of their bed and mm-hmm. the way the king just like sputters awake or whatever like again cracks me up like i find this movie very very amusing <laughs> so janelle you're done with it forever and always I don't know. I mean, if I'm, like, super bored. <laughs> oh, dang. And it shows up somewhere. Now, if somebody invites me over specifically to watch it, I'll probably peace out. But if it happens to be the choice chosen and I'm already there, I'll watch it. Okay. Do you like how I how I <laughs> describe my watching habits for uh-huh. you? Uh-huh. It's all Which about just... my proximity to the movie and if I know <laughs> beforehand. Elizabeth. I'll probably watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point. I'm really on a Merlin kick right now, so. Mm, oh, and Luke Cage came out to, today, so I'm going to be. I don't have time for that. Binge watching that tonight. Uh, I've been planning for this. Like, I am, like, ready, but anyway. Okay, my, going on. My professors didn't plan for it. Yeah. I got too much crap, too. <laughs> yeah, I've been keeping up with Merlin. I'm. I want to talk it, about Merlin. But yeah, I've been, I've been keeping up with Merlin. I'm. Uh, about episode five or six in season three, which yeah. it's it's bothering me because like I just don't have the time to binge. Like I should have been through this show two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> I should have lost like lost a weekend and been done, and I don't have those weekends to lose at the moment. So <laughs> I'm about halfway through season three, but I'm really really enjoying it. Okay. I'm glad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel so bad. I've been <laughs> season three. I'm on season four now. Um, just so many thoughts, uh, mostly shipping thoughts, and um, are you still Arthur and Gwen all the way? Yes, hardcore. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so in love with them. Janelle, hmm. what are we doing next time? So next week we are going to watch a Harry Potter musical because I want a musical. Dang it, I don't care if you guys want indie right now. We're going <laughs> with a, with a musical comedy. A uh, Harry Potter musical is both an homage to and parody of Harry Potter. If you're a purist, I suggest, like, skipping <laughs> because they take all of the plot lines and mishmash them together into a new story that, that's just in honor of Harry Potter. It's fan-made. It is entirely on YouTube, done by Team Starkid. Um, you can look on there and the, they have a playlist of the entire musical. We're going to watch at least the first act. Um, How I got long a is the whole musical? It's like three, three and a half hours. Okay. So I got a feeling, though, you guys are going wind to up, wind up watching the whole thing. Can you talk about who stars in it? Who plays Harry Potter? Um, Harry Potter is played by Darren Chris, okay. uh, pre-becoming famous. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Glee. He was one of Kurt's boyfriend, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he was in there, and then it's just got a whole bunch of other people from Team Star Kid. They were um, a drama group at uh, the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. So this is a pretty, pretty low budget production simply because they couldn't charge money for admission or else they'd get sued. So it was done entirely on what they had. Um, So it's a lot of fun to see what they do with it. If you want more I Love It Don't You content, you should go to our website. I love it, don't you? 
dot wordpress.com and also email us at I love it don't you one at gmail.com you can also follow us on all our social media platforms we have links to them on our website thank you for listening thanks guys thanks <laughs>